You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 50 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, alongside me, my good brother and co-host. He's been here for every episode, and he's the guy that runs our Twitter account, but more than that... He's the best in the world. We know him as Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 50. We made it to uh, half a century's worth of... Uh, <laughs> it's our silver episode. Yeah, we made it to 50 episodes, uh, which is, uh, you know, who to thunk it, right? Yeah, we uh, we started this... Uh, I don't know if we've ever told this story on the pod before, but we started this show, it came out of a conversation when the 25th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series came up a couple years ago. Um, a lot of different sites like Nerdist or, you know, some of those different, uh, you know, nerdy sites posted their, you know, top 10 greatest Batman episodes ever, or, you know, some, a couple places even ranked every single episode mm-hmm. in, you know, in, uh, in order of, uh, you know, from, from worst to best or whatever. Mm-hmm. We were like, we looked at those lists and we're like, mm, I'm not, sh- not sure those are lining up with what we think about yeah, some of these. them had like underdwellers, though, in the underdweller jar. Mm. Uh, like in the, you know, in the 20, I mean, in like the 30s or 40s, like not even like bottom five. Yeah. And they had like uh, the forgotten in the, yes. in the bottom Black three. Last Laugh, I think, was low on a lot of people's lists. Crazy. Too. Crazy. So, crazy talk. That's sort of how that uh, the idea for this podcast uh, spawned. And so, of course. We're uh, we're big Batman fans, obviously, and as as you know, if you've been listening the last few weeks, we're doing an Elseworlds Batman month, taking a break from the main DCAU continuity, looking at four different versions of Batman to help celebrate uh, Batman's 80th birthday, which of course came up uh, just at the end of last month. So we're continuing through with another uh, different version of Batman this week, and that is the Batman featured in the. Under the Red Hood uh, direct-to-DVD movie. That's right. Uh, we like to occasionally drop in some of these animated movies. You know, we've covered uh, Mask of the Phantasm, um, which was... Was that the only movie we've covered so far? I guess you could technically say, uh, if, if you're one of the people that refers to World's Finest as the Batman-Superman movie... There you go. And that's uh, another movie that we've uh, reviewed. Sure. Uh, but th- So this would be our, uh, our first Elseworlds DC animated feature that we're covering here. Um, so it's interesting, you know, again, we're outside of our normal continuity, a different voice cast, different style of animation, uh, but uh, some, some things that still feel somewhat familiar, we're still in the, dealing with a lot of the, the same Batman characters, uh, you know, Batman, uh, Nightwing is actually in this this yeah. feature, and of course we are introduced uh, to Jason Todd, who uh, does not make an appearance in the DC animated universe um, so we, we get introduced to this character. Uh, Liam, you and I are huge, huge DC fans, obviously growing up on yeah. Batman animated series and Batman Beyond and Superman and uh, and the like. Obviously, we're huge DC guys. Uh, so this story actually comes from a series of comics uh, that, that came out uh, sometime after Batman Hush, which if you're listening to this, more than likely you've read Hush, but if you haven't, uh, it's one of the top Batman one stories ever yeah. told. Uh, definitely, uh, we had a conversation a couple months ago. You know, if you were to tell somebody where to start with Batman comics, where would you go? I, th- I think modern modern day, you got to tell them to go to Hush. Yeah, uh, it just incorporates everything. But this, so this kind of came out of that. 
this storyline did. Uh, there was uh, Jason Todd, of course, was killed uh, in the l- mid to late 80s. Uh, via fan vote, yeah, uh, fans decided that they just absolutely hated this version of <laughs> of Robin, and famously were given the choice uh, via uh, I think a one nine hundred number. Correct. Uh, so they paid. Not only did they vote him <laughs> to die, they paid to vote him to die, uh, and uh, DC Comics ended up killing Robin. Uh, and killing that. Well, this version of Robin, Jason Todd. Of course, that would pave the way for one of your favorite characters, Tim Drake, to Hell eventually yeah. uh, come into continuity. But uh, so famously killed. Uh, they didn't really do anything with him for for quite a while. Uh, and then in Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb's Hush storyline, uh, they brought him back, uh, sort of as a shocker, a one off. Um, it, it they it it's it's a yeah it's a red herring. The the whole uh, mystery of the hushes. There's this man who's dressed in this brown overcoat with bandages all over his face that's known as Hush, and they give you a couple different red herrings. At one point, you're supposed to think it's Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Uh, at another point, I think it's sort of implied it could be, like, Commissioner Gordon or somebody. Like, they, they, it's mentioned, that, you know, this brown trench coat, but there's a specific issue, uh, the one that happens to feature the newer Robin, Tim Drake, where it's revealed, or seems to be revealed, that Jason Todd has returned from the dead, and that he's been this hush uh this mastermind this hush character now that of course turns out to be something of a red herring uh, no spoilers but go so go read hush yeah. uh, if you've read it you know what the what the story is but yeah but probably about a year after that they introduced a new story called under the hood which of course for this was you know slightly renamed under the red hood right um it was written by judd winnick who also wrote the movie here mm-hmm. um and basically, it was taking that idea of of Jason returning from the dead, of you know Batman's greatest failure coming back to haunt him, and made him into a and made it into sort of a injected Jason back into the the main continuity of DC Comics as this character, the Red Hood, who is a, a sort of a, a would be mob boss who's sort of cutting cutting in on the territory and and giving giving some guys some better deals uh, on like how much money he'll take off the top but so he's 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 what we would classify as your classic anti-hero um yeah. he's very much not in the same vein of i mean he you know he his ultimate goal and his reason seems to be uh to interjecting himself into this whole situation is to, so that he can infiltrate uh the underground and the weapons game that's coming into gotham with a goal of taking down the criminals but at the same time he does it through fear and intimidation and murder as opposed to yeah. batman who's there to throw the guy you know to, take him to that edge but never goes into the killing aspect of it yeah um which is uh, nowadays depending on your your (laughs) uh, your your version of batman um you know the the dc worlds of dc or dc extended universe whatever you want to call it batman uh that was one of the things that people didn't necessarily care for is because he seemed to have so little care for human life and that yeah um but that has been a staple of the batman character for a long time sure uh batman is unwilling to to go to where the criminals are willing to go which is death and kill, killing his opponents uh which is why sometimes the it's frustrating and why the villains seem to have the the upper hand at most times so it it goes into that um through this it also uh and we'll jump right into our plot and and talk about that um my my thought on this uh it has a lot of moving parts in it and i think that so the comic book itself was 
12 issues or 11 issues of comic book, which probably doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you realize, that's almost a year's worth of of comic book numbers, and it was even stretched out even further because there were some issues in between that didn't necessarily have to deal with this particular storyline. So you had a year and a half to tell this story, um, and then you're kind of shrinking that down into an hour and 50 minute or hour and 40 minutes or whatever it was movie. Um, very difficult to do. And Absolutely. At times, yeah. I think it, it felt a little bloated. Um, it felt like they had a lot a lot to try and squeeze in there. And it, I, I wonder, I, I don't think it's it's bad, but I wonder if you had had somebody else. A lot of times you see the these stories adapted uh, by the DC animation team. Like there's the Death of Superman and, yeah. and the second Death of Superman <laughs> that they did. And um, you, have, you have people that are adapting these stories that maybe aren't so close to the situation. Um, that aren't that are willing to kind of cut out some of the fat and make adjustments and kind yeah. of uh, adjust the story to fit into that that hour and forty minute or hour and a half time frame. Whereas here, you had a lot, a lot of stuff, and and it yeah. felt like to me there was some fat that could have been trimmed for this, um, which may have led to its detriment at times. What, what about your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's that's uh, the similar things. Like you said, they have a uh, you know I think almost over twelve issues to tell the story as well as. You know, there was an annual, there was a mini-series that came out a year or two later that further sort of fleshed out what, you know, the the in-between time between when Jason is resurrected and becomes the Red Hood. So there's just, th- there's things you can do in a comic book series that just don't, like like you said, don't quite work when you try to cram it all into a, you know, a 90-minute or, or whatever uh, feature film. So, I mean, and they do, they, they use flashbacks as sort of their, their exposition for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you flash back to sort of Jason as he, as the young Robin and you flash back to him as a little bit older and he's sort of the more violent, angry, angsty Robin. And then of course the movie does actually open with, uh, with the Joker, uh, murdering him. Mm-hmm. So, they fit. They try to jam all that, but then there's also like there's a, a ten minute scene where Batman and Nightwing fight the one of the Amazo robots, right? Which was a memorable issue of right. that run. But as far as for this story, did you need that? Right. Like other than for you just needed an action, an beat. action beat, right? Um, but it doesn't really flesh anything out other than uh, it's mentioned that the Black Mask was trying to steal this Amazo robot, right. and, and of course the Black Mask is sort of. Uh, the Red Hood's chief criminal rival in in this story, but yeah, I would agree with that. It's it definitely feels bloated and uh, a little a little uh, overstretched at times. So I'm uh, I again I I do like it, and I think the ending, the last act, really does save it. Agreed. From when the Joker is broken out of Arkham to the the end confrontation between the three characters of. Joker, Red Hood, and Batman. That's all really, really emotional and really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that brings my score up a little bit. I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. I think it's it's good, but it's just it's so overstuffed with stuff. And there's also a subplot with you know Rachel Gould stealing the bot, stealing Jason's body, and and putting him in the Lazarus pit that we have to deal with, and and an explanation for why you know Bruce didn't realize that the Jason body was a fake. Just a lot you had to jam in there. 
it's a ton of stuff, and then you have a lot with Bla- with Black Mask, and then you have a lot with Joker and Black Mask, and then you have yeah. you have the explanation of who the Red Hood is, who, and who, Joker is the Red Hood, and Joker's origins story is kind of squished in there. It, it's it's so so jam packed, and like I said, it's such a for us at least, and I you know it was generally received I think pretty well. It's why they made it into a movie. Yeah, it's such an iconic storyline in in the com- common era of Batman lore mm-hmm. that you're like, oh yeah, but you can't leave that out, and oh well, that's really important. Or man, I you know that would suck to have to cut that out, but. You know, I, I think it just gets to a point in the movie where you're just like, man, this thing, it feels like it drags <laughs> in the middle, I, I'd yeah. say. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I I gave it a, myself, I gave it a 6 out of 10 <laughs> as well. Um, you know, it's, I, I really adore this storyline. These comics are, are yeah. near and dear to my heart. So I, I appreciate the storyline and I, I, I get what they were going for. But I, I think that there was just some stuff, like you said, that, that could have just been... You know, trimmed down a little bit and left out, and and some of it. I mean, there's a lot of exposition in the movie anyway. Yes. We we made just, several points. There's a scene during the Amazo fight, especially Batman is basically just speaking out loud to the thugs that he's uh, that he's captured, to explaining what Amazo is, who the robot is, and then then Nightwing shows up, and the thug is telling the other thug who Nightwing is, and. It's just a real, it's real. This almost feels like maybe if they were going to try to fit all of this, they should have done what they did with the Dark Knight Returns, which is split it into two parts and do two, you know, 70 minute movies or whatever, instead of one, uh, you know, 85 to 90 minute one. Agreed. Because, yeah, sometimes there's too much story and sometimes it feels like stuff is just uh, glossed right over. and, And so it can be, and again, again, like we said, that's, that's tough when you have a, a comic book that played out over multiple miniseries and multiple, you know, long storylines throughout the comics. It's it's tough to fit that all in, but yeah, it's uh, still good. And I, like I said, I think the the final act really does save it. But uh, yeah, it's it's not great. I would say. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. A good point with the with the Dark Knight, um, the Dark Knight Returns. That it, that itself also is, of course, is an iconic Batman story. Yeah. That uh, you know they turned into an anim- animated movie. Uh, that uh, you know somewhere down the line we'll we'll eventually oh, yeah. review that. But I think that you're right. That was done effectively. Um, you know, there's a there's a way to do that um, without making it making it seem to drag on and I, th- I think you're right um all right let's move on to our next category liam let's talk about uh music uh, i don't have a ton as far as music notes are concerned yeah. uh when we were doing some research on this uh we learned uh that the gentleman that was the the music director on this is actually the same guy that did music for the batman mask of the phantasm um, so he was responsible for doing some of the recording for, like I said, Batman Mask of the Phantasm and worked on other uh, DC animated movie projects. And uh, in the notes, it said that he, he had mentioned that this was the first time uh, that he hadn't done completely live orchestral music um, mm. and that he you know he usually worked with a choir and orchestral music. And this was a combination of synth uh, synthesized guitar and, and keys and, and strings uh, mixed with a... He did have some live orchestral performances, uh, mm-hmm. but he specifically mentioned that he wanted to make music sort of a background piece. Um, and I think for that, uh, there's not really a notable theme 
There's not yeah. really Batman doesn't have a theme, Bat, you know, and and that sort of is a contrast, obviously, to what we're used to uh, for DC animated universe properties, or yeah. or even outside of that you know, with the Batman, like we covered last week, or Batman: Brave and the Bold. But there's not a specific theme, and when you have a one shot like this within a self-contained universe, it makes sense that you're yeah. not going to have a, a, a strong theme. Uh, but at the same time, it still kind of felt felt empty. Um, with that said, there, I, I think the music really plays a good part. The third act of this movie, as you mentioned in plot, is the strongest part of the movie for me. Yeah. A lot of action, good interactions um, between Batman, Red Hood, and Joker. Uh, it's what you pay to see, essentially. And it's, uh, I think the music adds to that. There's some good tension pieces. It's background. It's not in the forefront. Um, but I, I think that saved it from just kind of being an afterthought. And knowing specifically what the composer was looking to do uh, helps. He wanted it to be background, uh, you know, set the mood uh, type of music. Uh, so I gave this uh, a 5 out of 10 because it's just, it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also gave music five out of ten. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah, like I pretty much for all the reasons you mentioned it. It's it is clear that it's intentionally holding back in a lot of moments. It mm-hmm. really wants you to focus on the on the dialogue and uh, and the interactions between the characters. But yeah, it's there. It feels like there's full scenes in this movie that don't have a you know a note of music and uh that and that does work i think to an extent but as far as trying when you're trying to give a score to a uh, to a score mm-hmm. um it can be it can be a little difficult to uh to grade that and we've talked about that plenty of times about how sometimes the the grades don't necessarily always mean oh this was bad or this was uh, you know, a detriment in any way. It's just right. because it wasn't such a, a factor, you kind of give it that middle of the road score. And not- notably, like I think one example of that is that opening scene where Joker is killing Jason Todd. He's beating him with a crowbar, and I think that scene could have used some, you know, some heightened intensity. And there's yeah. some. I think there was a contrast between what's happening with the Joker and Jason Todd versus Batman, who's rushing to the scene. So there was some music playing. You know, when Batman's ru- it, it, in an attempt to get there, some yeah. frantic music that's playing, uh, but it really wasn't punctuated. The beating wasn't really punctuated. As yeah. sick, sick as that sounds, um, <laughs> you know, could have been punctuated with that. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, as we always, as I always say, not offensive. Nothing that stood out as being bad, but very middle of the road. All right, uh, Liam. Let's move on to our animation. Um, I. I'll let you go first because I struggled. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I struggled with with the score for this. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts first on, on what you thought. Yeah. So you know, when we talk about visuals and animation, of course, it's a, again a completely new thing. This uh, the the director of this piece was Brandon Vietti, who went on to be the the director for uh, Young Justice. And there's some influence of that. You can see like, where we went from here to get to the Young Justice character designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the shape of Batman ear- Batman's ears is very similar. When The way Bruce Wayne looks, when you know, when Batman doesn't have the mask on, looks pretty similar to how he looks in, uh, in, in Young Justice. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite there yet. It's kind of like, there's a little bit of the Batman, yeah. which you mentioned. Yeah. It's kind of like that melded with Young Justice, and even a little bit of uh, almost like a... You know, everybody's a little more muscular, so mm-hmm. it's almost a little more of like almost an Ed, Ed McGuinness style, mm-hmm. the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies mm-hmm. style. So it's kind of like two or three different 
uh, from the character design standpoint, like two or three different art styles kind of mesh together. Yep. There's even some, even in that initial scene um, where, like we said, where Joker's murdering Jason Todd, there's some strong Eastern animation influence Agreed. up close of, of Robin's eyes sort of twitching. You get um, mm. some some real deep, heavy, shadowy lines. Really reminded me of some, some anime style, mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh, something like that. Um, mixed in there too. So close up of like his pupils dilating yep. and, and things like that. Yeah. Yep. So I, yeah, I, so last week, obviously we had a huge disagreement <laughs> over, uh, whether or not we, you liked the Batman animation yeah. and gave it a perfect score. Uh, I did not. Um, so that's why I think I struggled with this is because there are certain character designs that remind me of that sort of elongated pointy, um, mm-hmm. A lot of the black mask. I did not like Black Mask's design. Yeah. Um, I did not like a lot of his goons. Uh, they all have these super elongated necks. I was <laughs> like their necks. I don't know. They, they have their trapezius muscles are like yeah. super super defined, and they're a lot of shrugs. Yeah, at the I, gym, I, I guess. I guess. Um, so I, I don't like that. Their hands are very square, very square fingers. Um, with that said, I do like, the, I did like the Batman design. Um, I did like the, the Nightwing design. I did like, uh, Alfred sort of resembled a little bit of the sixties Batman Alfred. Yeah. Um, the Batmobile, um, it, you know, looks, it looked like an amalgam of a, of a couple different Batmobiles. Um, uh, the Joker design was, was good. Um, I, I liked that, uh, it, it felt familiar, but again, a little buffed up version of the Joker. Yeah, and it's definitely, it felt to me a little Heath Ledger in there. This yeah. is a couple of years after the Dark Knight had come out. Yep. Um, so this was probably being made, like the, at least the design process had probably started not too long after, mm-hmm. uh, the Dark Knight had come out. Cause I believe this, uh, released in 2010. So obviously the, the production was, would have been for probably about the two years prior to that. So. There, there's also some good. That, that's a that's a good point. There's there's also some good, um, you know, three sixty kind of pans. Some mm-hmm. you know, Batman's chasing the Red Hood in, in the third act, and uh, you know he comes around the corner, jumps across. There's a good pan there that happens in in the very fi- final. Well, next to last scene, uh, the interaction between Batman and Red Hood. He, you know, he has to make the choice. He's telling him to choose between killing Jason and killing you know, or the, Jason's going to kill the Joker. Yeah, and he throws this gun at Batman. Um, and there's a good it follows the gun as it lands in Batman's mm-hmm. hands and then in, in sort of in, in reverse fashion Batman turns around and throws a batarang back at him and it follows the batarang mm-hmm. uh, to hit Jason's gun um, really really cool cool scene because of that so uh, I didn't love all the character designs I did like a lot of the animation though uh, a lot, lot smoother no weird sky colors either no, <laughs> no puke green sky color um, so I actually bumped my animation score up way up from last week I, I gave animation an 8 out of 10 yeah, I, I would agree with you. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of CGI used as well, sort of uh-huh. mixing with the with the 2D animation, and in some scenes it feels a little jarring. There's a scene where uh, Batman, one of the first times Batman's chasing the Red Hood, the Red Hood's in a car, and the car is CGI, and sort of that felt a little wonky to me. Okay. I didn't I didn't like the look of that. But then, as you mentioned near the end. When he tosses the the gun to him, the gun is CGI, and, and you follow it, and that looks, I thought, really, really good. Yep. Um, so there's a little bit of mixed bag, and I think that's always kind of the case when you mix in the, the CGI 
with the um, with the traditional animation. So uh, I I gave visuals and animation seven out of ten. Okay. I I like it, and there's there's also some just really cool. Uh, shots that I just don't think I've ever seen in, uh, in you know as many different Batman cartoons and movies as I've watched. There's a uh, there's a scene where the Red Hood and Batman are confronted by these sort of super powered uh, four uh, four uh, assassins, and somebody throws a car at Batman, and Batman like dives through one door and and flies out the other side and attacks the guy. And it was really really well done. They sort of follow Batman all the way through from. You know, from when he jumps, you follow him through the car and then out the other side. It's it's really really well done. So you can definitely tell there that extra mile was really went to to really uh, really give that those action scenes some uh, some punch. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the final the final confrontation, as we've already mentioned in a couple of our other categories, the specifically the fight when they end up inside the bathroom. Yeah, uh, where there there's they're beating on each other. Especially Batman's really starting to kind of lose his temper and his beating on Jason and throwing him into the the walls and the tile is breaking and he the you know the sink the ceramics the sink and the toilet are are cracking as they're being as they're throwing each other into them it's really really well done it feels very violent and very emotional yeah my only my only complaint and I think this is I think I assume this was rated PG13 yeah. or unrated one or the other um, but I felt like they could, this would have been an example there was a couple spots where I almost expected um, like Jason to cuss or mm-hmm. expected there to be blood um, there is not uh, there's one one uh, example where he blows up a guy's head, like he, yes. he he blows up one of the assassins. By the way, that assassin scene was another part of the bloated storyline <laughs> that didn't need to be in there. Yeah, um, but he blows up this assassin's head, and there was blood blood shown there. Um, but a, a lot of the tricks from the old Batman animated series were used in this, where it's a lot of shadow work. You don't really see a whole lot of violence. That scene itself, though, a lot of violence, a lot of face smashing, and but there's no bruising and there's no blood, which yeah. kind of kind of took away the impact for me a little bit. As weird as that sounds, like oh, my cartoon characters aren't bleeding, <laughs> but right, but like in this scene, they're beating the crap out of each other. There should be some blood. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that, and. Yeah, you get a little bit, like, the Joker's, there's, like, a little blood trickling out of the Joker's mouth after, you know, after Jason beats him up towards the end there, but, yeah, you're right, it's it's not particularly violent, which you would think would be sort of the number one thing to take advantage of for right. for the fact that you're not doing a Saturday morning cartoon for children anymore, and... And this is a dark story as it is. Right, it's dark, <laughs> and it's pretty violent, and you're dealing with the gang violence for a lot of it, and a lot of... You're not, you know, Red Hood isn't using laser cannons or right. stuff like he's using bullets, and so you, yeah, you would think there would be a little bit more, uh, a little more uh, evidence of that. But other than you know, sort of everybody gets a little disheveled, and you know, like Batman has a couple cuts on his cape, and you can sort of see the body armor poking out, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a really cool little thing that they did. Yeah, um, I would agree. But yeah, there's not you don't see them wearing the uh, the wounds of war, as it were, as much as you might expect for the type of story and for what that you would think they would have the ability to do with the uh, with the PG thirteen rating. I agree. All right, um, so let's wrap it up with our final category of the day, Liam. That is going to be voice acting. Uh, we have a huge, huge cast here. Uh, we'll hit the main ones uh, for time's sake. Uh, but uh, who are our players today, and, and what did you think of, uh, of, of their performances? 
So we have Bruce Greenwood as Batman, who of course also voiced Batman on the Young Justice show, which makes sense as we mentioned uh, several mm-hmm. of the people involved in in that show were also involved in this project. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a pretty good job. Um, I, I I think they gave him a tape of Kevin Conroy and said, <laughs> "Hey, listen to this and do exactly what he does," because <laughs> there were times where even his, whether his inflection, um, his you know, mannerisms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His animation mannerisms. Um, I, I think it, you know, it, it almost sounds like Kevin Conroy light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's some of that. He has like a little bit of a, I, I don't exactly know what regional accent he has, but okay. he's got a little bit of a, a certain like draw or rasped rasp to his voice okay. that I thought came out a lot, especially in the, in the final scene as he's sort of giving his speech as to, why he's never killed the Joker, um, but yeah, overall I think he does a he does a good a good solid job. Like, he like was, he, but he he was probably my favorite actor of all the voice actors okay. in here personally. Uh, yeah, all right. So uh, moving forward, we have uh, Jensen Eccles as Jason Todd slash the Red Hood. Of course, is probably best known for uh, the show Supernatural, which has been on television since the Truman administration, I'm pretty sure. Also known in as, uh, from his every fan cast that wants Jason Todd in a Yeah, in a people movie. really want him to play him in live action, which <sighs> Man, I don't... I don't I don't get it. I, don't, I wouldn't go there. Um, he's not bad. The word I used, uh, the word I wrote down for him, actually, and a few other characters, was inconsistent. Okay. Um, I, I feel like he is... Uh, I, the beginning, I feel like he's reading off of, you know, a script. It sounds very... And I get it. He's supposed to be cold, this cold character, brooding character. But it came off as he was reading a script, very low emotion. Um, I think the final scene... He sort of redeemed himself. He's really me. good. He's really yeah. good. And in, in when he and Bruce are kind of yelling back and forth at each other in that final scene, uh, I I thought that that was a that was a redemption piece because uh, again I, I think his performance up until that point it, I didn't like it. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair. Um, there's again a lot of his dialogue is a little bit because officially you're not really they don't officially reveal that he's Jason until about. I don't know, maybe halfway through the piece or so. So it's a lot of him just talking in, like, cryptic, tough guy language. Mm-hmm. And there's actually something I wish they had included that wasn't really here. Um, there's two things. One is I wish there was a little more interac- interaction with him in Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Because that, to me, is a, as just as a, as a relationship between Jason and Dick is not really one that's ever been heavily explored yep. in, in the comics, even, or really in any other medium. And then, of course, and again, this was obviously something that had to be cut to, cut for time, but there was a tie-in issue at the time where Jason went to Titan's Tower and attacked Tim Drake, and I would... So any any sort of more interaction with the way Jason perceived just, like, the general role of Robin mm-hmm. or of these other sidekicks yep. in Batman's world, I think maybe if you had focused more on that instead of, you know, again, for the first 40 minutes or so, he's just sort of the generic tough guy Agreed. who has some sort of connection to Batman's past that, you know, isn't completely clear until until about halfway through. So maybe if that if his character had been a bit more focused, again, not not that I'm saying that I wanted them to do a subplot where, sure. he, where he flew <laughs> and, to yeah, Titan's Tower. You, we didn't subplot. Right, we didn't need, a, we didn't need that. But maybe that instead of the Rachel Ghoul one, though. You could, yeah, you could have done that. Um, but something, such, something a little bit more of, like, how how Jason perceived the role of Robin as a whole, and and sort of 
uh, you know, they, they, they touch on briefly the idea that he was kind of a bit more violent and a little angry even before he's killed, but it, it just felt like that was maybe something they could have focused yeah. on a little bit more if you're going to do the flashback stuff and you're going to do so much exposition to sort of have his his worldview explained a little better. There's sort of a line that's thrown away during that final scene where he goes, oh, it's it's easier for you to pretend that the Lazarus pit is what made me this way, right. but I was kind of always this way, is basically what he says. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like if that had been explored a little deeper, that would have been a better use of the time and maybe, a, a, maybe something more that, as an actor, uh, Jensen Knuckles could have sunk his teeth into a little bit more. Sure. But uh, yeah, moving on, we have uh, we have John DiMaggio as the Joker. Um, John DiMaggio, famously, as we mentioned, uh, Aquaman on Batman: The Brave and the Bold. He was Bender on Futurama. Has done tons of other animation work. Mm-hmm. I love him as the Joker. Yeah, I think he's really, really good. There is absolutely uh, a certain Mark Hamillish quality to it. They play here. Listen to these Mark Hamill things. Yeah. Go. He doesn't. He's not quite as. Uh, he's not quite the the thespian that Mark Hamill's Correct. Joker is. He's yep. not quite as refined. Nope. He's a little more dirty. A little more surly. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, which I which I think works for it. As, as you sort of if you sort of imagine it as an amalgam between the Ledger Joker and the Hamill Joker, I think that's kind of where he sits. Yep. As a, you know, he's, he's still got that very uh, theatrical quality to him, but he's not, he's just, he's a little more of a, I feel like this Joker's a little more of a thug, like he's a little more of a, a little more of a brute than maybe the, the Mark Hamill Joker is. That's why he's so muscular. Yes, of course. (laughs) He works out uh, (laughs) when his bones aren't broken by, by Batman. That's right. I thought he does a really solid job, and he, he, I thought he and Batman's performance, I thought were the were the best in the in the whole, whole yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And then, sort of rounding out the cast, we have television's Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing. Nope, and nope, I just put no. <laughs> I he was, he, I don't know. I, I did also, not like his performance. I feel like it. They also like either artificially pitched his voice down yes or he or they told him to pitch his voice down and yes. he tried to do like uh you know his impression of a tough guy like a little bit of a more superhero like if he just did his regular voice i don't think it would have been as bad agreed yeah it sounded like somebody doing a super you're right that is spot on <laughs> yeah because again like i like neil patrick harris has done other animated work he he played spider-man he's He's done other animated series he work. He was in the best episode of Justice League. Correct. <laughs> he was Ray on uh, on uh, Legends. That's right. So he's got. So you know he has the uh, the ability, and you think I often do think of Nightwing as a bit more of a, uh, a flamboyant character. You know, yeah. he's he's not a guy who hides in the shadows. Generally, he's somebody that you know sort of relishes the uh, the he loves being able to help people and to be he loves being a hero. Uh, so I I always thought just like regular Neil Patrick Harris voice probably would have been fine. It may not have still been in my, been my favorite, mm-hmm. but it probably would have been fine. But whatever they had him do or whatever they did artificially, it just made it sound bad. Agreed. <laughs> yep, not not a great performance by by any stretch of the of the imagination. Yeah, and then sort of just rounding out, we had we had Wade Williams's Black Mask and. <laughs> Another, inc- I just wrote inconsistent. The, the it's hard because the visual. I didn't like the visual of the character. He comes off sort of like this maniacal, insane person that I would not be afraid of. Like yeah. he he doesn't come across as business thug. 
<laughs> he comes across as very, like, also very ineffective. Yeah. And it's not even sort of in the way, uh, like, something like in the, a Batman episode we watched quite a while ago, uh, It's Never Too Late, where you had, like, an aging mob boss in that episode right. who was once sort of the king of the castle, but his empire is crumbling now. It's not even really that. Like, the entire time we see the Black Mask, he's like this... Like almost comedically grumpy guy, and it's like his like. There's a scene where he's just like he's yelling at his one assistant, and he's just punching out various like members of his crew while he's doing it, and it's kind of funny. It is, but, but how did this guy get to be the biggest? Right, he's crime boss. He's he's like you're told he's a big crime boss. Right, how did he get to be this guy if he's such a volatile idiot right exactly <laughs> so yeah I don't, I don't think that his big worked. plan is to break the joker out of, of jail yeah that's when he gets <laughs> desperate enough and like and again that's not that's not necessarily the uh the the voice actor's fault that's right. that might dip more into plot but yeah his his voice he's almost he's almost like the yosemite sam or something <laughs> good, good, like shaking his fist like gosh darn it how you know just being not- outsmarted <laughs> at, at you know at every at every turn by by the Red Hood and sort of just exasperated by it all. So I, I felt at the end uh, uh, when he has that interaction with Joker, it, it actually wasn't. He kind of settles into it, and there are more yeah. times where he's a little more sinister and serious. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times, he just he it, he's a caricature. Yeah, there's there's one part where he has a sort of a monologue about how like the world's changed and mm-hmm. we're outgunned, and like that's good. That's really well, and it's well delivered and it's well written. But then, yeah, it's intercut with all of these scenes of him just being a, a big old goofball, which I don't think uh, works super well. Maybe they could have eliminated that from the whole yeah, storyline, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they could have done that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, r- rounding out the cast here, we had Jason Isaacs as, uh, as Rachel Ghoul, who's... Very kinda, British. <laughs> yes, he's very British, and he's there to, you know, it, again, do more exposition, exposition yeah. to explain how Jason came back to life uh, post post uh, uh joker joker stuff and i was actually thinking about it because uh spoiler alert for a game that came out like four years ago but the the arkham knight video game uh f- takes a lot from this story mm-hmm. and they use and the reveal is again spoiler alert jason todd is the arkham knight right and but in that version he wasn't killed he was kidnapped by the joker and sort of left in, like, the basement of this abandoned wing of Arkham Mm -hmm. and sort of slowly lost his mind. And I almost think if you're going to do the movie, as as we're sort of wrapping up here, that maybe would have been a better way to it. Again, you talked about, rather than trying to adapt the story exactly with the Lazarus Pit and the he was fully dead and brought back to life stuff, if maybe that would have been a better thing if he was just, like, deeply injured... And Raish had taken him, but he was sort of like on life support in a mm-hmm. coma or something. Maybe that would have been a little better. But yeah, it was just as it is, as, as pertains to voice acting, uh, uh, Raish just sort of is there to, to be like, yes, he was dead. And then I hired the Joker and then whoops. And then <laughs> and then I brought him back to life and I'm sorry. Um not 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 it was a bad performance it was just there was He's, there was nothing to it there's nothing to it right so yeah getting into our our score here for voice acting yep. i gave voice acting 7 out of 10 all right it's like i said i really liked dimaggio's joker i really like uh, greenwood's batman and i think the uh, as we said with a lot of our categories here today i think the final 
uh, third of the movie with uh, with the, all the confrontations with everything. I thought that was where Jensen Eccles shined as uh, as the Red Hood. So absolutely good. Not not anywhere near perfect, but a good solid outing. I thought from from most of the cast. Yeah, as I mentioned, a lot. I, I felt a lot of inconsistencies. I already went through each individual. Uh, I gave the overall score for voice acting a very different six out of ten. Very different. See, we have different. Sometimes we have different <laughs> numbers. <laughs> Just as a reminder, we don't discuss our scores. That's true, but we are related. Yes, so, so they say. Um, all right, so I, I think that brings us to our final scores, Liam. Yep. Uh, so totaling mine up, I have a final score of 25 out of 40. And I have a final score of 25. <laughs> 25 out of 40. Uh, that's uh, too good. It does happen occasionally. It's rare that we, our final scores sync up perfectly. That, that's like true. This, quite honestly. Usually there's a three or four point, uh, differential, di- differential there. Yeah. The hey. margin of error, but... As far as uh, as as we get into wrapping up here, as far as rewatchability, um, you know, I, I think I've watched this movie th- th- maybe four times in my life, um, and uh, I can say that it's not. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's not one. You know, I may come back to it ten years from now. It's not one that I plan on watching regularly, just because it is. It does seem like such a slog at some points. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's nothing, nothing in particularly memorable. I would, I would recommend if you're gonna, if you want to revisit this, go read the comics. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, that's read the comics, play, play Arkham Knight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you ha- if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Oh, definitely, De- definitely check it out. And of course, we would love to hear your thoughts on that uh, as we begin to wrap up here. Um, but uh, you know, if you have DC Universe uh, streaming service, they're about to put their entire catalog on there. Again, we're not paid by DC Universe, but we could be. But we would and could and would be. Yes. Uh, so contact us, DC Universe. <laughs> um, it, anyway, uh, they're about to put their full catalog on there. Go get that. Go get the um, go get the trade paperback or your graphic novel. Uh, support your local comic book store absolutely um, definitely worth it a, a as we said it definitely an iconic batman story from within the last 20 years and, i mean and then the the impact it's had obviously the red hood is still a character that's around now they've sort of rehabbed him into more of a, a traditional superhero now mm-hmm. but yeah he's he's still around now and 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 this story obviously going back to the, the death of a family all the way through to uh hush and under the red hood or under the hood it's it's yeah it's it's part of uh, you know Batman's DNA as a character. It's it's very it's one of one of the you know quintessential Batman arcs. I think especially of the last thirty years or so. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so as always, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Liam, the DCAU Review Twitter guru, uh, is over there tweeting like a madman uh, at DCAU Review. Give us your thoughts on this. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you haven't seen this in a while, we'd love to hear your memories, uh, your thoughts on the Red Hood character as a whole. Uh, give us some feedback. Uh, tweet us. And uh, don't forget to like us uh, and subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's through iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, or you know any of those other places. Check us out. Subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. And uh, don't forget to tweet us uh, some ideas for what you'd like to see us uh, coming up, right? Liam? Yeah. If we if we uh, if we did another Elseworlds month down the line, should we focus on Superman? Should we maybe look at a like a Wonder Woman month? What should we What should we look for? Is that and 
we'll definitely be announcing what our our, our stuff for the month of May uh, is going to be soon on our Twitter account. And by the way, when you're listening to this, we haven't yet picked our winner. We have reached 250 followers, as we mentioned last week. That's right. So you can still, there's still time, everyone. Still time. You go to our Twitter, at DCAU Review. You like and retweet our pinned tweet that's right at the top of our page. And then you reply to that tweet with the secret word, which is, of course, the Martian. Martian. So... Just do that, and you're automatically entered to win. We're going to be picking a winner uh, sometime in May. And, and yeah, that's about it. That's all I got for this week. Awesome. Well, I am Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Reveal. Did I say something? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> forgot my thing. Say, say it again. <laughs> Farewell. Farewell.